friends. Welcome to the Skyline Church Podcast. I'm Jonathan Middlebrooks, one of the pastors here at Skyline Church. Skyline is a worshiping community, a disciple-making community, and a generational community. We're committed to seeing revival in our city sparked through the presence of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. These sermons are specific to that purpose and in the context of our unique community. We hope that it might bless you in some way. Enjoy. Excited to move forward on our series. We're in a series called Encounters, which is just basically people who are beholding Jesus in the resurrection, who get to meet him after he comes out of the grave. And um, we kind of stumbled into this reality that Jesus is taking the disciples on this journey in this 40 days between his resurrection and the ascension, and he's taking them on a journey of their inner life, of their heart. He wants to deal with their heart before he sends them out into the world. And so we saw how he meets Mary in her grief. We saw last week how Jesus deals with the disappointment in the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Um, We see later how Jesus shows up to Peter and shares a meal with him and and deals with his shame that he denied him. We see this this thing of Jesus saying, I'm not just going to send you out unequipped and I'm not going to send you out from a place of lack. I actually want to build your heart where Paul says in Ephesians, right? I want you to be strengthened in your inner being. So Jesus is actually helping them build a container inside of them that the kingdom of God can live and thrive and be healthy, be whole. He doesn't just say, hey, I've saved you. I've, I, you know, I've given you a, the plan. Now go do it, right? White knuckle it, grit it out, you know, with all the mess. He's like, no, no, no I want to deal with this stuff first. I love that Jesus's heart is for that. And this morning, we're actually going to uh, talk about the story in Luke. Let me get my Bible open here. Luke 24, if you've got your Bible. Luke 24, verse 36. So we find Jesus, after he raised from the dead, he, he meets uh, the disciples on the road. He, he's met with Mary. He's appeared. Now he appears to the disciples in Luke 24, 36. The story is also told in John 20. We'll hop a little bit to there as well. 36 says, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. John actually says the disciples were in a locked room because they were afraid of the Jews. They're like, oh no, something's happening. Let's get secure. Let's get safe. Let's get in a room where nobody can touch us. They're afraid. So Jesus shows up in the midst of their fear, right? Shows up for Mary and grief. He shows up for the disciples on the Emmaus road and disappointment. He shows up for these people right here in the midst of fear and anxiety, And this might be the most appropriate sermon for for the age that we live in. We live in an age of anxiety and fear. It is rampant epidemic. And Jesus actually has something for you today if you've struggled with this issue. He says, peace be with you. They were startled. And I love that his peace frightens them. That's kind of funny. I just noticed that. They were startled and frightened. Think they saw a ghost. Ghosts aren't peaceful. Um, But he's not a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do your doubts arise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they did not believe, they still didn't believe yet because of joy and amazement. I love when Jesus shows up in his resurrected presence, it brings joy 
in amazement. He asked them, do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. He took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they, they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in this name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, the Holy Spirit. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. John includes a moment where Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. It's almost like he's giving them in that moment a deposit on the deposit. (laughs) He's like, here's just a little bit of a glimpse. I'm going to breathe my peace, my spirit over you, but soon the spirit's going to fall on you and then live in you. And when this happens, it's going to change everything. You're going to go from fear to power. amazing thing. So what does this look like? So I just going to give you a few things on this text. And then um, rather than preach a sermon on um, these things, we've got three testimonies. I want you to hear from some people who have walked through this issue with Jesus and seen his power poured out in their life. So what does Jesus do? The first thing he shows up in his actual presence, right? And then he speaks peace over their life. We have to catch this. The first thing he says to people who are living in fear and anxiety isn't get it together. You should be better. You shouldn't be afraid. He says, no, no, no. Peace. It's almost like he shows up in our lives when we're twirling around, we're spinning and he's like, hey, relax. I've got this. Peace be with you. Then what does he do next? He sits, he stays. He actually like sits down with them and shares a meal. Jesus isn't, um, he's not so urgent about his mission in the world that he's like, peace, now let's go. He's like, no, let's sit and have a meal. Like his patience gets demonstrated in this moment. He sits down, he's like, let's eat. Let me show you, I'm not a ghost, I'm a man, but I'm a different kind of man, obviously, because I walk through, I show up behind locked doors. <laughs> so this new body I have is different than the old one, and yet it's recognizable. He sits with them. His patience for us in our fear is more than you could fathom. You couldn't measure how patient Jesus is with our life and where we're at. He doesn't show up in disappointment Now, he's going to deal with some stuff, but he doesn't show up saying, I'm so disappointed, can't you get it together? He just sits with them and eats. And then what does he do? He shows them in the scripture what's happening. Says he opens their minds. He gives them revelation about who he is and what's happening. He starts connecting the dots so that they can be witnesses to the entire story from Genesis all the way to John when he writes his book of Revelation. He's like, I want to show you what the kingdom is like. I want you to, and it's interesting because literally they've lived with Jesus for three years and they didn't quite understand. And now he's like, okay, I'm going to take everything we did for the last three years and I'm going to make it all make sense. Right? And it's amazing that he does this with us. And then he does what, I've got S's, three S's, so I'm just going to go full pastor mode. I had to go with another S. And so this doesn't really make sense, but it does. He he, he literally, I wrote down, he spirits them, (laughs) right? And John, he's like, receive. He's just, he just like breathes on them. He speaks and he gifts the spirit to them in that moment. He gives them the first inkling of that future promise. He said, I promise you the Holy Spirit. I need you to believe that he's coming right? So what do you need when you're living in fear and anxiety? You need hope. He 
He's like, just wait. Everything's going to be okay. I'm coming in a different form even than I am now, and you will be glad when it happens. So this morning, as I uh, was praying about this, I was just like, man, I feel like um, if this has been a struggle for you, you need more than a sermon. You actually need some concrete examples. Um, and we prayed in the prayer room, and there's a statement in Revelation that they overcome in those days by the blood of the Lamb and the power of their testimony, the word of their testimony. There's something about testimony that I can tell you, you can do this, and you're like, yeah, but you're the pastor. But, so I want you to hear from some people the real stories, like, like really incredible victory in this area, not without pain, <laughs> not without struggle, um, but victory. Amen? Okay, so Ron is our first one. Give Ron a hand. There you go. Say, I'm going to share um, my testimony about my struggle with fear and anxiety. Um, probably, I would say for 50 years, but maybe the first couple years I wasn't aware that I had anxiety. Um, and so I'm going to do something I've not ever done before. Like, I want to honor the process and the time that I've spent, like, writing things down. So I'm actually going to read it because I don't want to miss something. And I also don't want to add something. So I wanted um, just to try to be laser focused. About a year ago, during Wednesday worship, I heard a voice inside my head, and I instantly knew it was Jesus. He clearly asked me to give me his whole heart. Well, give him my whole heart. I immediately bristled and felt defensive, almost offended. Like, have you done that right? You get offended sometimes when you're confronted. And so I immediately bristled, and I'm like, what do you mean? I've given you my whole heart. I've done that. I gave you my heart years ago. Because when I was baptized as an early kid, I gave you my heart. And then I went on to tell him, um, like, my resume, my list of spiritual accomplishments as proof that I'd given him my heart. I was like, you know, recently I've had a deliverance where I've gone and um, released some spiritual strongholds that I had. I've done soul care twice. <laughs> so I'm a pro soul killer, soul carer. Um, I've had a life-changing experience. Chase and I went to a mountain and I got rid of some identity pieces. I did a whole life confession, which was super scary, where you get around with your friends and tell them your junk. So I went off and camped with Lucas and Corey, and we all shared our baggage, and there was such freedom in that. But even while I was giving him that list, he interrupts and he says, I want your whole heart. Over the next week, I decided that my hyper-defensiveness was a sign that Jesus might know more than I do. So I relented and said, okay, I'll give you my whole heart, but I'm not sure what that means. And I had done some soul searching. I really didn't know what he was asking for. I just was submitting. Over the next few days, some mental health oddities cropped up. And I labeled them oddities, Jonathan, when I sent it to you, but I'm going to call them what they are. Like, it was crippling anxiety. Like, oddities would be its pet name. I'd worked my whole life to remove sources of anxiety and fear through control. I had some routines and systems in place to try to help mitigate and live with my anxiety. 
but those things weren't working anymore. I felt like I was quickly unraveling. This unraveling led to a heart to heart with my wife. <laughs> Which was really hard. I told her that I thought I might be having a mental breakdown or something. Um, I'd been afraid to tell her, like somehow by keeping it to myself, I was protecting her. Instead, what I discovered was that withholding information and keeping part of myself hidden was doing more harm than good. Turns out, people don't like when their loved ones keep secrets. It's hurtful and not protective at all. Sue suggested that I see a psychiatrist to get some help. Wives are good at that, right? <laughs> so I made an appointment, which was super scary and probably loaded with more shame than I'd like to admit. But I met the kindest, quirkiest doctor and immediately thought he might have more wrong with him than I did. <laughs> so it was comforting. <laughs> but as we were talking I found out that the intrusive thoughts the sayings that were saying things in my head were not normal my daily anxiety and fear couldn't be managed any longer and needed to be treated so we chose a path of daily medication so now I'm on medicine which has helped tremendously this has given me more space to do spiritual work, to allow Jesus to keep sweeping out the cobwebs of my life. And as I visualize that, it's like when you're moving and you're moving your washer and dryer, right? That's the easiest thing to do in that room. The, the big heavy piece that's obvious that it's there and needs to be removed. So I removed the washer and dryer um, with medication, giving me some space to breathe. But then there's the cobwebs and the dust, the critters and the cobwebs, right? And you have to use different tools for those things. And so Jesus and I began a journey. And I found out that giving him my whole heart meant giving him my anxiety, which I'd been holding to myself and trying really hard to manage on my own out of fear. Fear that Jesus didn't want this piece of me because somehow it might hurt his feelings or made him angry or disappointed that I couldn't get it all together. But his invitation that night proved me wrong. He truly wants all of me, and when I give him my whole heart, he takes my fear and replaces it with freedom. I actually feel like a whole new person now. I don't live with that constant buzz of fear. Thank you. But I don't live with that constant buzz of fear in my body anymore. My mind has settled. I don't have a constant swirl of negative thought. And Jesus is the only one who could bring me to this place. He's the good shepherd, and I can trust him with my whole heart. I found that requesting my heart was an act of his kindness to me.
to bring things to the light just because he loves me. I want to start by saying fear is not shameful. It is merely a set of alarm bells given by God, alerting that something either inside of us or surrounding us does not align with the kingdom of heaven. We are all born wanting Eden. We desire a perfect, stress-free, peaceful, purpose-filled life, and anything less than Eden can create a wound or a lie to fester. Anxiety is something I've struggled with my entire life. On my worst days, it was a beast I couldn't conquer, and on the best, a gnat that buzzed in my ear. And I cope with it, probably like all of you, the best I knew how I... I went. Is it good? Okay. I ignored it. I begged and pleaded for God to take it away. And I memorized scripture. However, verses about fear felt heavy and not like a blessing. And I kept thinking, if only I had enough faith... I could conquer this. About five years ago, it all came to a peak. I know there's a lot of babies in here, so. I had a newborn that I couldn't enjoy. A new house I was scared to lose. And my mind was swirling with intrusive thoughts, none of which were true. I felt like I was a prisoner in my own mind. Everything was gray and bleak. One night, while I was nursing my newborn, fear became the loudest voice in the room. room. It had taken over. I could no longer combat it with prayer or scripture, and I could only think of one way out. I just felt so deeply if I could be anywhere else besides with myself, and only one way I could make that happen. The thought of what that might be terrified me, and so I prayed one simple little prayer, and sometimes that's all it takes. It's God help. I laid my baby down and fell asleep. Soon after, I opened up to my family and friends, and they were so faithful to carry me through. One friend (laughs) vowed to call me every day until I got help, and I was annoyed, and she kept her promise. But by the third phone call, I didn't answer her call, but I called my doctor immediately. Up to this point, my mind was so consumed with fear that I stopped enjoying the blessings in front of me. It altered my reality. I have always thought of the verse, cast your cares on Jesus, as if fear was this big boulder I was supposed to like pick up, use all of my strength, and throw it as hard and as fast towards Jesus. And while that might work for some, it didn't work for me. At that time, the Jesus I believed in liked to play dodgeball. So I'd walk over, pick it back up, and live another fearful day. I was exhausted. See, there was a lie embedded so deep down inside of me. I knew God loved me, but I didn't think he liked me. I knew in theory that God was good, but I had no idea that he was gentle and kind. I knew he forgave me, but I always thought he did it with an exasperated sigh of like, please, for the love, stop sinning. And in my heart, he was angry and unpredictable. 
and fickle, and I was unworthy, faithless, and anxious. Those words identified me. Nothing I changed, nothing changed until I stopped using all of my energy to cope with anxiety and I started addressing why is it here in the first place. Through Sozo and other inner healing ministries, I asked God himself, why is this fear here? What lie do I believe about myself or about you? What unhealed wound is causing me to be triggered so often and who do I need to forgive? I discovered fear was not a monster raging inside of me. No, it was a little girl who was scared to death. And she never dealt with the wounds of her past. The Holy Spirit led me to reject lies of religion and self-dependency and unworthiness and allow Jesus to speak the truth. I forgave those who hurt me and allowed God to provide the ointment for the wounds. And I learned that casting my fears upon Jesus has very little to do with my ability to throw and more to do with his ability to catch and to care. And I started believing that this little girl who was trembling with fear and felt so unworthy and so unseen did not deserve to be thrown. No, she deserved to be picked up and carried to the only one who knows how to mend brokenness. And the more I've practiced this, the more capacity I've gained. Now, because the gospel turns everything upside down, when fear rises inside of me, which it does, hope rises even higher. And I've stopped rebuking fear because that never worked in the first place. But instead, I see it as an invitation of the Father to draw me nearer to him, to be my firm foundation, and to intimately know him and be known by him. So my prayer for everyone here is first find a friend who will call you, even if you don't want them to. But second, stop rebuking and stop hiding from your fear. Stop denying it. Because it's time to face it for what it really is. It's only a simple alarm telling you to come back. Come back to me. Fear does not need to be comforted, but maybe your past self does. And there is only one God who can truly provide the comfort that you need. Hi, I'm Kai. Nice to meet some of you. I mean, the ones that I don't know. <laughs> okay, I wrote this probably 12 times, which I think shows that I am an anxious person. <laughs> um, and then I considered on Thursday, I was telling my sweet husband, who's so patient, that I shouldn't do this at all. I just need to tell Jonathan and Sue count me out. Um, but I think that that's even more of a sign that I should share this story. So I'm really excited to talk to you about what God did for me. And I'm going to read straight off this and probably won't look up once. So just bear with me. I reached a point in 2021 that anxiety and depression had taken over my heart and my mind. I had lost my aunt and uncle at the hand of my cousin in 2019, which was an unimaginable and completely unexpected experience. 
After that, anything seemed possible. I constantly feared losing my kids. I would have vivid dreams about them dying and wake up shaking and crying. I was afraid to answer the phone when my family called because I thought they would be bearing some horrible news. Every worst case scenario became the most likely scenario. You can imagine, or maybe you can even understand, how exhausting that is. It got to where I was only sleeping a few hours a night. I started praying for God to take my life or to take these feelings, but I couldn't bear to go on the way things were. Everything felt pointless. Mundane tasks were defeating. The enemy was constantly whispering in my ear. The Father and I were deeply connected, and I was doing all of the good, you know, Christian things, like praying, reading your Bible. <laughs> it was one of the scariest times, though, in my life, and I genuinely, I didn't think that I would make it out alive. One Wednesday night, I was leading worship with my dad when the prayer team said that God wanted to heal someone, or multiple someones, from depression and anxiety. They invited people down, and my dad knelt with his guitar, which gave me the freedom to do the same. So thank you, Dad. <laughs> my heart was beating a million miles a minute, and I thought, finally, this is it. So I knelt next to him. But I didn't feel any healing. I was hurt and confused, so I left the stage, and I went by myself to the prayer chapel. I cried out, literally. Jordan, my husband, came in at some point, and then God brought me Jessica and Jennifer. And can I say, he literally brought me Jessica and Jennifer. They felt God calling them to go to the prayer chapel, which is just incredible and shows his sweet tenderness and faithfulness. They sat with me and bore my hurt. For the first time, I let myself open up about how I had been feeling, despite the shame that seemed to come along with it. There was so much grace in that room. I would love to dig into the specifics of my Sozo deliverance prayer time, but I could fill up the rest of our Sunday morning trying to find the right words. What matters is that at the end I felt light, like I'd never felt before. My shame was gone, and I just wanted to shout about what God had done for me. I drove home, and I didn't have a single thought of pulling the wheel too hard, which was an intrusive idea that had been plaguing me incessantly for months every time I would get in my car. Honestly, I was skeptical. Don't get me wrong, I wondered when it would all come back, but days turned into weeks, turned into months. Jesus took up the real estate in my heart where anxiety lived, and when thoughts would try to creep in, because they do, the Holy Spirit was and is there to rebuke them. I always felt like the woman reaching out to touch Jesus' robes, but just barely missing him again and again. But I did keep on reaching, and he did meet me in my fear and hopelessness. Wow. Um, I wanted you to hear those testimonies, one, because I, I think um, there's just, we underestimate the amount of uh, difficulty, pain, fear, disappointment, anxiety that human beings carry every day. And if we're not careful, the church becomes one of the many places that we go to fake that we're not carrying it. Um, 
which then just keeps us at that distance from Jesus. That Kai, that just you know, that where it just feels like we're kind of reaching, but every time we show up, we're like, "Well, I showed up to church, and there wasn't anything real there for me. I didn't hear anything that gave me this invitation." So I, I think there's this beauty in normalizing how hard life is, <laughs> just how much uh, we all are going to get kicked in the teeth by pain, by loss, by addiction, by abuse, by suffering, by grief, by all this stuff. We're just, it's just, if you're alive, this is what life is, and it's because we live in a broken world, and there's no escaping that. And yet, in the midst of that, Jesus shows up to heal, to save, to restore, to reconcile, to forgive. And you see people this morning who are, are, I love that it's like our prayer and worship team who's like wounded healers. It's people who are now spending their time praying for people, counseling people, doing sozo, doing deliverances because they're like, I know that this is true. And I know that it works. Um, and yeah, it's not a lever that you pull, you show up, okay, pull this lever and you get this, but there is a process by which you can come out of fear, anxiety, into hope. And Courtney mentioned this, but I think this is a key thing. One of the things I really wanted to communicate today is, is that um, Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you could cope with life. To me, coping is living right under the surface of where you should be living. He didn't come just so that you could be almost happy, <laughs> feel almost blessed, feel like, oh, I'm, I'm, life's okay. No, he said, I came so that you would have victory over sin, Satan, hell, and death. Like you would be an overcomer. Like I put my spirit in you so that you would live out the victory that I demonstrated on the cross would be true of your daily life. Like you would say, man, life is hard and yet. And I don't know how many of you guys had this experience, but I grew up in a little church uh, with what I would call saints. Anybody grow up with some saints? Some like, like, I mean, they were old in like 1980. So this is like, I mean, this is like, these are some old ladies and, uh, and they loved Jesus and were some of the happiest people you'd ever met. But if you sat down and asked them about their life, it would not be a happy story. It wouldn't be like, well, basically I entered the world and everything's gone great since then. I mean, some of the hardest things you can imagine happened to some of the happiest people you've ever met. It's just true. It's just true. And Jesus promises that. That's a, the, I love that sometimes the word blessed gets changed with happy. And somehow happy's become a dirty word. Well, God didn't make, he doesn't want to make you happy. He wants to make you joyful. And I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't mean he doesn't, he doesn't want you to be happy. <laughs> See, it's like, no, I want you to be joyful. Don't be happy. And you're like, what does that mean? Like, how about both? I'll take both. Anybody want like a little bit of both? I want joy and happiness and blessing and goodness and all those things. And so I think part of this is, is lifting our eyes. So the Psalm says, I lift my eyes up. So the first step is just lifting your eyes beyond what a life of survival and coping would be. And actually saying, God, what would my life look like if I could thrive? If I could be happy? If I could have joy? If I could see your goodness in the land of the living? What if that verse was true for me? And that goodness doesn't eliminate all the other stuff. He's saying, no, no, you can experience it in the midst of all these other things. And so part of what we want to do as well is to, to display today God's character and nature, right? So we heard today, like, so much of us feel like we're a disappointment to God because we have these things in our lives. And so we don't come to God because we're just scared of, like, that disappointment, right? That shame that might come. 
But I love the Bible. It says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's his grace that teaches us to say no to sin. And it's his perfect love that casts out fear. The invitation of God is to come through his kindness into grace and to live in his love, to dwell in this place where he loves you. That's who God is. And the invitation of confession, of admission, of honesty isn't so that you come and get smacked so that you do better next time. It's so that his wounds and stripes might be applied to yours. And that's how you get healed, right? Isaiah says as much. So Jesus, his promise is that if you come to him, he's saying, I will actually bring my peace, not just over you. He says, my peace be with you. And really, he's like, ultimately, my peace is going to live in you because my spirit is going to dwell inside of you. So right now, every single person in this room who says, I'm a believer, I believe in my heart, I've confessed with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. That means in you dwells a person of peace. Like there is a place of peace that you're invited to live out of. And I think this is really important because I think if we're not careful, um, we never actually connect to this idea that the Holy Spirit lives in us. So I just want to read read one quote and then we're going to wrap up with some prayer. This author says this, we should make a deliberate effort at the outset of every day to recognize the person of the Holy Spirit. This should be daily practice for every Christian. Recognize the person of the Holy Spirit to move into the light concerning his presence in our consciousness and to open up our minds and to share all our thoughts and plans as we gaze by faith into the face of God. We should continue to walk throughout the day in relationship of communication and communion with the Spirit mediated through our knowledge of the word, relying on every office of the Holy Spirit's role as counselor mentioned in scripture. We should acknowledge him as the illuminator of truth and the glory of Christ. We should look to him as teacher, guide, sanctifier, giver of assurance concerning our sonship and standing before God, helper in prayer, and as the one who directs and empowers our witness. The Holy Spirit, Jesus says, it's better for me to go so that the Spirit can live in you. He has all the things you need. And this is the most fascinating thing. Jesus enters this locked room of fearful men who within days, 40 days, stand in front of rulers and authorities, the most courageous people who have ever lived. You won't find a more courageous people than the early Christians who are willing to suffer and die for Jesus. They started out in fear and anxiety in a locked room, but Jesus in his presence showed up. He gave them his peace, and then he gave them his power. And they went out, and you find them in jail. They're like, I don't care. Beatings, I don't care. Fight with wild animals, I don't care. Famine, sword, nakedness, all that stuff. You got nothing on me, Satan. I'm here for it. I'm not afraid. I have a lot of problems. (laughs) Um, So I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to uh, just take a posture of prayer and just close your eyes. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. Just just close your eyes for a moment. Just relax for a second because we've got plenty of time. It's one of the shortest services in Skyline history. You're welcome. So we've got time to respond. That's I don't want to move past this because there's a few few things. Um, One, you probably know you need some kind of response if your heart has been beating really fast, (laughs) or you've been like, I got to get out of this room. So I just want to create space as we worship for you to meet Jesus, for his presence. So the key to this story is his actual presence shows up in people's lives. 
So maybe just open your hands and can just close your eyes and let's just, I just want to pray over us. I just want to invite you to ask Jesus. Because there, and, there, and can I just say just before we kind of pray, there's a spectrum that even if you were like, would not define yourself as an anxious, fearful person, you might have a place in your life that is operating out of fear. It could be in your marriage. It could be in your finances. It could be with your children. It could be in your friendships. Remember what we said last week? Any, uh, I think it was last week, or maybe I, I said this somewhere else. Um, any of your pain, right, that doesn't get transformed will get transmitted. And so that's the invitation is, is not just to cope, but to be transformed, to become a different person. The second Corinthians five says, if you are in Christ, you're a new creation, not a little bit better than the old, not just an upgrade. I'm actually making something completely new inside of you. And the goal is that what's happening inside of you will slowly be the truth of the outside of you, your actual lived experience. But some of you may be like, I've struggled with this my whole life. I just want to say today's the day to take a stand on the truth. God loves me. He's here for me. His invitation for me is peace and life and joy. And so I'm going to invite our prayer team to come down. They'll fill kind of the sides. We're going to open the altars. If you need to pray, I I just want you to know God can meet you here today. It might not all get fixed today, but you can start today. Today's a great day to start. So Jesus, we love you. Thank you that when we get locked inside of these rooms in fear, that there is no one who can keep you out. There's no place in our life that we can lock up that you cannot come in. And I thank you that you show up in our lives in these ways with your very presence and you show up speaking peace over us. And that you have peace that surpasses all understanding. You possess that. It's who you are. Perfect peace dwells with you, Jesus. So today I pray for anyone in here who has been afraid or anxious. I pray today that you would show up and that you would bring your peace into their life. You want us to dwell in safety in you. So would you give us the shadow of your wings today, that we'd sing under the shadow of your wings. We would find a safe place to be aware of things going on in our life and be able to allow you to come in. So Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that you would burn in hearts. You would give a feeling that something is stirring. You're stirring for transformation in lives today. Because you never leave us how you find us. You always take us in kindness, grace, and love into new life. So come Holy Spirit right now. Yeah. Come Holy Spirit.